potluck every week. <coughs> you guys doing okay this morning? Ready for a nap? Don't worry, it's coming, right? <laughs> I hope and pray that you have had a good week. I, uh, it's been a, an interesting one, you know, but it's always been good because you know who's faithful? The Lord is, right? No matter what's going on or what's happening, we can count on Him. You know, uh, today we get to we get to gather, to fellowship together, and, and study and and sing to our Savior, and open up uh, the breathed out Word of God. That we would have training and correction, right? That we would have teaching for our lives. It's a, it's a lot easier to point at someone and say, hey, you're doing it wrong, right? It's harder to say, hey, this is, this is how you do it. And aren't you so thankful that God is inviting us along, you know, to, to show us this is, this is how you do it. This is how, you know, it, it needs to be done. But not just a rebuke, but also a training and a teaching to walk in his paths of righteousness. To this end, that we would know the Lord. That we would understand who He is and what He has done. That we would understand this truth as well. The fun one in the Bible. What we are without Him. Right? Sinners. But then we can come to this understanding of, of what Christ has done for us. And, and all the blessings that we have as we rest in the finished work of our Savior. Yeah, as we uh, come to the close of our series in Psalm 139, yeah, I've, I've titled this, this whole series and, and this last sermon, The, the Needed God. You know, and I, I posted that on Facebook and sent it out on the newsletter that it's kind of, kind of weird title, but I was like, you know what? It's a, it's, it's a good weird. <laughs> Because we have come to a clear understanding, especially in, in this age, in these strange days, that we need God. Now, even, even the simplest conversation of, you know, kids aren't respectful. Society's not respectful. Well, because there is no authority and there is no law. In their minds, they are the law. They're all Judge Dredd. You ever see that movie or read the comics? It's fun. Sylvester Stallone. It's not a... Don't go and watch it. Sorry. Bad, bad pastor. Um, but, you know, it's a good sci-fi. But we need a clear understanding of who he is, of who we are, and how that affects life. And the way we live. And we saw that we need a sovereign one. We, we need to understand that there is someone who controls all of history. Because there is someone also who, who knows us deeply to our core. For he is the all-knowing one. 
And then we saw this, that He is our Creator. He formed and framed us. And now we come to the end, we, we see the whole of it. We see that without God, we are hopelessly headed for chaos and destruction. But with Him, we find life. And life everlasting. A.W. Tozer says it like this in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. Awesome book. I, I totally suggest that. Instead of Judge Dredd, well, read this, okay? You know, read this book, The Knowledge of the Holy. He says this, what, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above it's religion. A man's spiritual and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has been greater than its ideas of God. Worship is pure or based on as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. See when we want to obtain we want to strive for a high view of God. That we would know Him. That we would see Him as the Sovereign. That we would see Him as the all-knowing, ever-present Lord. That He is the Creator. And that He is God. May we know Him and proclaim Him. The psalmist states it like this. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. That's a cool psalm. It's Psalm 45, verse 5. Today we see that He is the God we need, for He is the Lord Almighty. Let's start with a word of prayer. Oh, Father God, uh, we thank You for today. We thank You for everything that you have blessed us with from food to fellowship to warmth on cold days and cold evenings to the beds we have to the cars we drive to the air we breathe Father we thank you for your word thank you that you have revealed yourself to humanity and that we can know you and make you known and know that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever as we rest upon the finished work of Christ. We thank you for this time in this Psalm of David. It's just been a great joy to know that no matter the craziness of life, the calmness of life, that you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I hope, uh, unlike the false gods, hopefully we'll not remember Judge Dredd or the false gods of Sunday school, but we'll remember the word of the Lord. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 139. And we will read uh, verses 17 through 24. Uh, the psalmist David writes this. 
How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. I love this because David praises the very thoughts of the Lord. And though if you go back to verse 6, he cannot obtain it. Right? He cannot understand it. Because even what has been revealed is grand. So the psalmist, David, holds them. He holds them like a precious gift. And the thoughts of the Lord are, are vast, for He is infinite. Right? We, we talked about the, the Trinity this morning. In Sunday school, uh, you know, we talked about illustrations for a minute there, and that you know, all the illustrations fall short. And it's like, well, yeah, we're talking about the infinite, almighty God, right? But isn't it cool to see all of the threes in creation? You know, three primary colors, three ways of H two O being a substance. I mean, ice, water, and vapor. Hmm, that's pretty cool. He is infinite. Isaiah states it like this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, that your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And the Lord's thoughts aren't like ours. As we hate our enemies, He loves His. As we are fine with mud pies, He offers us holiday. The way we know anything about God, of His character, of His thoughts, of His way, is through revelation. It is the pulling back of the curtain of a mystery. And it is God that is pulling back the curtain, revealing Himself, showing Himself to humanity. Without revelation, what I like calling a special or specific revelation... We would not know anything of that which is hidden. But thankfully God has made it known. The thoughts of the Lord are more than the sand. We are unable to count it. But we know this. As David states, as we wake, He is. Right? He is the great I Am. The psalmist cries out, for God to deal with the wicked. He wants the men of blood gone. You know, today we, we hear the call for justice in our streets. I see the, the bumper sticker, you know, no justice, no peace. And yet, more and more, we see lawlessness has increased. 
because we have sunk back into a time where, where justice is this, might makes right. And the mob can and will dispense justice. Waiting for evidence, waiting for due process and a fair trial is overrated. I feel like that should be in quotations. Uh, overrated. Because the system is broken. Which, which, yeah, you know, that, that happens in a broken world. Systems can and will be unjust. But social justice and mob justice are not justice. The mob sows injustice and therefore they will reap calamity. They will reap ruin. For as a nation, a people, and a government sow this, their rod will fail and lawlessness will increase all the more. That's a really good proverb. It's Proverbs 22.8. But biblical justice is fair, for we are all naked before God. Isaiah tells us this, but with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with equality for the meek of the earth, and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with breath, with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. So the righteous one will come, and he will judge. He won't judge just the rich, but he will judge the poor as well. He will decide with equality for all. And the Lord will strike the earth, and with his breath he will kill the wicked. And we, we want, instinctively, right? We, we want justice. We cry out for it because we all have a, a sense of right and wrong. We all have a, a sense of justice, of truth. It doesn't just lead us to cry out. No, it leads us to someone outside of creation. Someone giving us those judgments from his very character to the very tablets of stone that came down from Mount Sinai. And it is, in fact, written on our hearts as well. So we, we long for justice only because God is the very base of justice. It can't come from culture because if it did, the horrors of histories and the hurts and pains in all of our lives from us sinning for, to us being sinned against would be meaningless. You know, it's justice isn't just some social construct of the age. No, it is from our creator, our lawgiver, and our redeemer. The psalmist says it like this. Or the psalmist says this, that the wicked speak against him, against the Lord, that they have evil intent and that they even mock the name of God. You see, the world mocks the Lord for they do not understand his will and way and they have in fact run the other way, right? We have all gone astray. We are all willing rebels wanting our own will to be done. But this will happen. The Lord will come and he will execute judgment on all. And he will show the ungodly their wrongs. He will judge them for their harsh ways and for the words that they have spoken against him. For the wicked have broken the commandments of the Lord above and they have taken his name in vain. We see it all, right? We see 
see it all right here that the the sovereign one, the all-knowing one, the creator, the lawgiver, and the judge. He brings us purpose, meaning, and even justice, true justice. For he has formed and framed us. He has set down the law as, as yes, at first as a part of the covenant with Israel, but also as showing us are wrong clarifying what is right and what is wrong and telling the world it has gone the wrong way it has rebelled and it is the one that is willingly walking into destruction and is ready for judgment from a judge that knows all created all all for his glory and therefore, even in all of that, we have a great hope in a world that is wicked and broken, right? Because God doesn't just tell us to jump higher, fulfill all these things, do all these things for me, and maybe I'll love you. Be good little boys and good little girls. No, He tells us the truth. He tells us, you failed. But He makes it right. He comes with the gift of righteousness apart from the law. So the question is, is will we trust Him? You know, as I finished up this study, I, I really thought about some of the, you know, we from time to time talk about competing worldviews. You know, and we we see a lot of them today. We see a lot that are competing for our minds to show us, you know, this is reality. And I, I ran into one of those those fallacies, which is a, a false thought. And I really started thinking about this, you know, based on anthropology, which is the the study of humanity. We we see that. You know, the crowd of, of social justice would say that there's an, an oppressed and an oppressor. And, and they quite literally say the original sin is, is whiteness. And the oppressed must rise up. They must revolt against the oppressor. For those oppressed are, are good and righteous. And therefore they must overcome evil. It is what is labeled as cultural Marxism or critical race theory in a nutshell. Well, a couple months ago, I was I was reading a, a comic, and uh, I came across a, a worldview that marches. It calls for equality, but in order to achieve that, others must be dethroned. Others must actually be utterly destroyed, and this ended with the good old march of feminism coming to rule the world with love and all the, all you need in the world is love and then the death of patriarchy and I was like well happily ever after right you know that sounded nothing like an actual utopia you know there are many forms of freedom in our world that state you know this is this is the way you know, forms of sexual freedom to gender freedom to, hey, just tax the rich. That will fix the problem. I mean, who's heard that on the nightly news, right? You know, that that's it. It is all telling us one thing, that the problems we face are not of our own making. No, it's this group. 
it's those rich people. This is anthropology. This is the study of humanity or the, the, the doctrine. You know, you, there's a part of a doctrinal statement of what we believe and you know, what is humanity? We would state sinful and then we would give all the verse references, right? <laughs> They're basically telling us in their study or in their doctrine or theology of anthropology or the study of humanity is that we are basically good and that all we need is to overcome the evil that is among us. But the problem with these worldviews is that the evil that is among us is also in us. Paul Tripp says it like this, It is not just that we live in a world where evil still exists. If that were the only problem, it would be much easier and simple, right? Black and white. Take them out, you got it golden. Utopia starts. No, the danger of external evil that we all face is ever made incredibly greater by the evil that lives inside of us. I was like, that was a good devotion. I had to <laughs> save that for a sermon someday. Because only one is good. And he is God. And thankfully, he, he tells us this in his word. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Romans, Romans chapter 3. Before we blow away. <laughs> Surprise you guys all have hair still. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Did it take long to fix it in the mirrors, ladies? Right? <laughs> Gotta look pretty. <laughs> Romans chapter 3, verses 21 and 26. Or sorry, verses 21 through 26. And Paul states this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. Though through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation, that is a covering, by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, just the faith in Jesus. We have all failed the standard. We have all missed the mark. We have all sinned. That is why these, these other worldviews fail and fall short of dealing with the problem at hand. Because they don't deal with the sinner. And the heart full of iniquity. G.K. Chesterton responded to a 1910 London Time article question, What is wrong with the world? It rings true. His response was this, Dear sirs, I am. I am what is wrong with the world. And even uh, T. 
Taylor Swift's new album, her song Antihero says, I am, hello, I am the problem of the world. I'm the problem, right? The song crescendoed and didn't fix anything. Chesterson would say Christ fixes everything. But even in our world now, you know, there's no law, there's no rule other than ourselves. And so we're kind of in a mess of hurt and pain, yet who helps us? You know, the more and more we believe the problem is out there, that this is the enemy or that is the enemy, that if we rid, rid the world of this evil or that evil, then we will have utopia. But Romans informs us this, all, which means all parties, all empires, all the rich and all the poor are all sinners. There's no distinction. Yet we live in a, in a world of us versus them mindset of good and the bad. You ever see that movie, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly? Good Western. You know, the truth is we're all ugly crashing through that window, running away from the problems we've created. Hannah had never seen that, so I had to show her the intro. I was like, you gotta watch this part. This is a good illustration. You know, we're all, we're all this crazy guy with his big old meat stick running away from the problem. So we can be very thankful that there is yet another no distinction. That wherever we have fallen or wherever, how far we have failed in life, we have this free gift available to us. That means all, right? All means all right here as well. To those with false hope, to those lost in their own strongholds, to those in suits and to those in rags. Because Jesus came to seek and save all that had been lost. Because there is no one righteous, there is no one that seeks God, but God. Thanks be to God, he has come for us, and by the blood of Jesus, we can be made righteous. Because Jesus did this, he fulfilled the law and the prophets, he paid the price for all of our debt in full. Justice is only satisfied in Jesus. Now this is this is why utopia, at least in a humanistic form, will never be. But utopia, the heaven we await, will not be brought by human power. It is the exact opposite. Humanity's plans for glory spread the length of the Bible from Babel to Babylon and Revelation. There are those that will always seek their own glory, even after the thousand-year reign of Christ. John states it like this in 1 John. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye, eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. See, we are called not to love the things of the world, that we would love the Father in heaven, right? Colossians says, if you are raised in Christ, seek the things above in Christ. 
that we would understand that the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, and the pride of life will pass away. That those things will not abide forever. So let us avoid them. For making a name for ourselves only rings out so far. And Jesus tells us this, whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for mine, my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And we could have the whole world under our feet and still lose our soul. We could have everything we ever wanted and still lose our soul. That we would not forfeit our soul but know this, that there is a king that is coming. The Son of Man, Jesus the Messiah, will come and he will set up a forever kingdom. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to Daniel. Daniel chapter 2. And right at the end of the... end of the chapter, verses 44 and 45... Daniel writes this. And in those days, King, uh, and sorry, and in those, and in those, oh my goodness, in, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. That's a statue that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed of. The great God has made known to the king what shall be after this? The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. So the kingdom of heaven will be set up by God, and it will never be destroyed. It will, in fact, smash all the other kingdoms of humanity. This is certain. It will happen. If you want to turn over a few chapters to Daniel chapter 7. Right here in verses 13 and 14, Daniel records this as well. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. Hey, there's that like, Bryce, that we talked about. <laughs> you know? And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Right? Just like how God is holy, 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 
three different versions saying it's not going to go away, it's not going to go away, it's not going to go away. Is it going to be destroyed ever? It's forever. Right? The Son of Man, the very one who can be presented to God because he is perfect in every way. Jesus has got the exact fingerprint match because he is God. And a kingdom will be given to him, servants and dominion. And this is why he is the needed God. For without him we have nothing but death and judgment and hell. In this life and the next, right? Because if we have lawlessness here, life will not be worthy. With him we have knowledge of this. That someone is in control. You know? Stay calm. What are those? What are those things? The British one. <laughs> it's like stay calm and drink tea or something. Yeah. Stay calm, Batman will save the day. You know, but stay calm and know that God is in control. I'll keep calm. That's it. Yeah, keep calm and carry on. That's the original one. And then everyone kept on going off on different. But we can keep calm. We can we can be most assured that no matter our ups and downs in life, that someone is in control for the Lord is sovereign. Right? We through this time we've talked about theology too, where it's like, is it just words? It's like, no, it's it's in depth meaning of how we even live life, is that there is someone it's not just the NSA or the gal from Monsters, Inc. watching you, Mike Wazowski, but it is the Lord Almighty ever-present and all-knowing that we can, we can talk to Him and know Him and, and walk with Him through all things. So theology matters. Sorry to say it. Right? But, but with this knowledge, we have this. We, we know that someone knows us and loves us deeply. For God is ever-present and all-knowing. And we have this knowledge as well that, that God is the creator. He has formed and framed all of creation. He has given us purpose because He alone is our chief end to know God and to enjoy Him forever and dwell in His presence. That's why the, the dividing line through history through all of humanity, sorry. The dividing line through all of humanity isn't tea or coffee or Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it isn't good or bad. It isn't us versus them. No, it is Jesus or self. Whom do we choose? Our kingship and our kingdom that, that might last for a few years or him as king as eternal king that will be in an everlasting kingdom that will not pass away and never be destroyed. Jesus is the divide through all of history. And this is the question, right? As Jesus states it to his disciples, what do you say about me? How we answer that question has eternal ramifications and eternal Sorry, eternal consequences and, and consequences for the here and now. Well, let's uh, close in a word of prayer.
My Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for your, your breathed out word that we can take time to come together as, as the local body and, and worship you in, in song and in worshiping you and in opening up your word and, and knowing you more. That we would be pierced through by your truth to go and, and to live lives before men and women that they might know you and glorify you, God. That we would be salt and light in a world that is broken and dark. Help us uh, just know you more and to uh, walk with you through our ups and downs. And thank you for today, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.